Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Isaiah chapter 55. So let me have your attention. The book of Isaiah is like a miniature Bible. It's like a miniature Bible. What do you mean, Pastor? Isaiah has 66 chapters. The Bible has how many books? 66. The book of Isaiah divides itself into two halves. Chapters 1 through 39. Chapters 40 through 66. The Bible divides itself into two halves. The Old Testament and the New Testament. Chapters 1 through 39 of the book of Isaiah deal with the law and government. The last 27 chapters of Isaiah deal with, oh, pardon me, the first 39 books, I'll tell you first, the first 39 books of the Old Testament deal with law and government. The last 27 chapters of Isaiah deal with love and grace. And the last 27 books of the New Testament deal with Love and grace. The beginning of the New Testament, we meet John the Bee, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And beginning in chapter 40, you can look there in your own time, I promise you is there. Isaiah, chapter 40, we hear a voice crying, prepare the way of the Lord. And then finally, the chapter... Here in Isaiah, the final chapter deals with creation of the new heaven and the new earth. And the last chapter of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22, don't you know? John sees a new heaven and a new earth. So the book of Isaiah is like a miniature Bible. There are two divisions, as we've kind of already pointed out, two divisions or sections of Isaiah. Again, chapters 1 through 39 Write this down. We find the burden of the Lord. Chapters 1 through 39, we find the burden of the Lord is the theme. And then in chapters 40 through 66, we have the blessing of the Lord is the theme. So the first half, 1 through 39, the burden of the Lord is the theme. The last half, 40 through 66, the blessing of the Lord is the theme. So we come to in that last half, chapter 55. And chapter 55 is a blessing and an invitation to all nations and all people. As God says in this invitation to all people, listen to me close. He says in this invitation to all people and all races and all nations to receive grace and to receive blessings and to receive mercy and help. And how do they get that grace, blessings, mercy and help? Well, Isaiah tells us here in Isaiah 55, look at verse 6. 
Seek the Lord. Are y'all looking at verse six? Say, I'm looking at it. Seek the Lord. Come on, read it with me. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So this morning, I want to talk to you about you at home. Stay with me. I want to talk to you about what does it mean to seek the Lord? What does it mean to seek the Lord? Give you a quick three point outline we'll deal with today. Very easy. What does it mean to seek the Lord? Number one, take a snap of the graphic if you like or write it down. Number one, seeking the Lord means we call on him in prayer. We call on him in prayer in verse six. We'll look at it. And then secondly, seeking the Lord, what does that mean? It means we forsake wicked ways and thoughts. We forsake our wicked ways and thoughts. We'll find that in verse seven. And then finally, what does it mean to seek the Lord? Seeking the Lord means that we rely on him for wisdom and guidance. What does it mean to seek the Lord? Number one, we call on him in prayer. Number two, we forsake our wicked ways and our thoughts in verse seven. And then finally, what does it mean to seek the Lord? We rely on him for wisdom and guidance. That's what we're going to talk about today. Real easy. Isaiah, let's get to it. I'm really excited about this sermon, actually. I'm kind of excited about all of them, but this one's like really good. Maybe it won't be. That'd be for you to judge, I guess, right? Isaiah 55. Are y'all with me? Look at verse 6. If you're looking at verse 6, say amen, saints. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him do what? Return to the Lord and he, the Lord, will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, so verse 10 11 is really good. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there, but, the, but water the earth and make it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word, are y'all with me? So shall my word be to those to, that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void. God's word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it to do. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Number one, seeking the Lord means we call on him in prayer. Seek the Lord in verse six while he may be found. Go ahead and look at it and call upon him. While he is near the word seek in the Hebrew language is Daresh or Darash, D-A-R-A-S-H, Darash, Daresh. And Darash, seek, is used 165 times in the Old Testament. It means 
to resort to. It means to seek with care. It means to inquire. Actually, this is an interesting definition. It means to beat the path around something. To beat the path around something. You know, I thought of losing my car keys. You lose your car keys. Anybody ever, like, lost their car keys? Maybe temporarily even, huh? How about that? All right, some of y'all ain't telling the truth. You in church, all right? You lose your car keys. Ain't nothing more frustrating than losing the car keys. And you're walking around the house, and you're beating the path around the house looking for the car keys. And after a while, you think, did I even drive home? Because, you know, when you're getting a little bit up in age, you just forget, maybe I walked home, maybe I crawled home. I mean, my knees are a little dusty. <laughs> then you go check the driveway. Like, the, oh, there's a car out there. I obviously drove home. Those keys are in this house somewhere. And you're looking around and you're looking around. Nothing more frustrating. And then you start beating the path. You're looking in places that you know the car keys are not. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know no car keys ain't in the bathroom under the toilet. Hallelujah. Maybe they are. You know those car keys are not upstairs in the crib. You didn't even go upstairs. I mean, you start looking in places or beating the path to find those car keys and you search and you search and you search until you find them. How about your cell phone? Maybe that's a little more closer to home for most of y'all, huh? What about your cell phone? You know, I tell people, if you were to treat the Bible like you treat your cell phone, you'd be a really strong Christian. Now go and hunt your neighbor if you got one. Go ahead. He's talking to you. You'll be a really strong Christian because you ain't going too far without that cell phone. You will get, you will leave your cell phone at home. I know I'm talking to somebody. You will leave your cell phone at home, get 15 miles up the road. I left my cell phone. I'm going back and get that thing. <laughs> well, honey, you're going to be late for an appointment. Forget an appointment. I got to have my cell phone. I mean, after all, somebody might ping me on Facebook. But you search and you search and you search until you find that thing. You know, I, I was thinking even this morning, I said, I have things. And I don't know maybe anybody else. I have things that I have lost in my life that I am still searching for today. And it has been seven years. And I am determined I'm going to find it. I'm still looking. I, one time I lost a, you remember the time I lost that gold chain? That I had that gold chain. Whatever happened to that thing disappeared. The Lord didn't want me to have it. That thing, I, I remember I was, cha- excuse me, y'all, I got to talk to my wife. <laughs> remember I was changing my shirt. I was just, we were trying on a shirt or something like that in the living room. Change the shirt. And then I'm, the gold team was gone. So we're beating the path, looking around. I start looking in the vents. You know, the, the uh, air-conditioned vents, because I thought, well, maybe it slipped down there. I'm looking in places I know it isn't. That's the idea, saints. When you seek for something, here it is. You repeatedly go back and you look until you find it. Do, seek the Lord the same way. Deuteronomy, take your pen, take your pen, take your pen. Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul, Proverbs eight seventeen, write it down. I love those who love me, God says, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, 
and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with half your heart. Y'all interactive bunch this morning. I like it. When you search for me with what, saints? All your heart. You know, lots of people are searching God for God with half their heart. This is a real prayer request that I received through my social media. A real prayer request. Pastor Rodney, please pray for me. I'm having doubts about salvation. The closer I try to get to God, it seems like he's running away. That's a real prayer request. The closer I get to God, he said. First of all, I appreciate reaching out in prayer. Absolutely. The closer I get to God, it seems like God is running away. Can I tell you something? As I told him, if you feel removed from God, it is not God who moved. It's you who changed seats. It's you who moved. It's you social distancing from God. Oh, you know that boy good. That's right. That's right. That's you. God does not move away. As a matter of fact, conversely, God draws near. God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So if you feel distant from God, I'm talking to somebody. Then guess who moved? Seek the Lord while he may be found. And watch this. Look at verse six and call upon him. Seek the Lord and call upon him. Seek and call. Seek and call to Hebrew scholars are known as a synonymous parallelism. A synonymous parallelism. Hebrew poetry does not rhyme. I think I, we talked about that at some point. Hebrew poetry does not rhyme. Instead, their poetry consists of joining two sentences or phrases together or by saying something twice just a little bit differently. So putting seek the Lord and call upon him in the same sentence is saying the same thing, but different. Are you following me? It tells us that one way to seek the Lord is to call upon him. Now, how do you call upon him? You call upon him real simple in prayer. Write it down. Call upon God in prayer. And you pray with your voice. You pray with your voice. The Hebrew word for call means to voice. It means to call out with your voice. And when you call out with your voice, we call that praying. Psalm 118 and verse 6, David says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to the God, to God for help. That's another parallelism. Another Parallel expression, called and cried, Psalm 118.6, or pardon me, Psalm 18.6. And then Psalm 105, verse 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. That's another parallel expression, calling upon and giving thanks to him, which again is saying pray. Now, I should hope that we Christians are calling on the Lord in these very important days. I should hope. 
I should hope that we are lifting up our voices. Listen to me. Look at me. I should hope that we are lifting up our voices and praying for our communities. That we are lifting up our voices and praying for the inner cities. That we are lifting up our voices and praying for the president and the vice president. I pray that we are lifting up our voices and praying for law enforcement. And praying for the world. Praying for people who are angry and bitter. Pray for them. Love them. They're angry and bitter. Being angry and bitter is not good for them. Are y'all hearing me? Pray for them. Some of them are angry and bitter and they don't know why they're angry and bitter. I'm telling you, I talk to them, I know. Why are you angry and bitter? I just am. Why are you so upset? Oh, I just am. Well, what's going on? Well, this, that, and the other. It's all, it's how you feel. I feel angry and bitter. We got to pray for that. Can you all say amen? Some angry and bitter, and they shouldn't be. I would think that people are praying, I don't hope that people are praying more now than ever, even in this time of crisis. Unfortunately, a lot of people only pray in a time of crisis. That's the truth. And that's unfortunate. F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer was a friend to D.L. Moody, and he was a Baptist pastor. And he said this, I love it. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Instead of it being something we do every day, like breathing, eating, walking, talking, prayer seems to have become like that little glass covered box on the wall that says break in case of emergency. Isn't that true? Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with praying in a crisis, but it is better to pray when there is no crisis. Right. I'll wait. Why? Why? Because that's what we're commanded to do. We are commanded to pray. And I know that we oftentimes, I think we only pray for that which we are comfortable to pray with. God help me. We only pray for that which we are comfortable to pray for. The Bible tells us that we, I'm only talking to Christians right now, that we are called to pray. This is what we are commanded. Do you understand that's a command to pray? Prayer is not a suggestion, Greg. Prayer is not a, a, a option, Jay. Prayer is a commandment. We ought always to pray. Are you? Grandma, I know you praying. God knows if ain't nobody praying, Grandma Betty praying, all right? Y'all better hold on too when she pray because God will be listening. <laughs> that's why I give Grandma Betty to pray for you because I know God going to hear it and you're going to be healed. That's a that's done deal. You might go home and be healed today. I mean, <laughs> you might come running up in here, Pastor Ronnie, it's all gone. I'm like, praise the Lord. Let's call Grandma Betty. Give her the good news. Take your pen. First Timothy chapter two, verse two. We ought to pray for those in authority. Take your pen. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always with, anybody know? All prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Jude one twenty. But you, beloved, 
building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's get a little bit of context here, saints. Isaiah prophesied to Judah and Jerusalem, and he was warning them that God would bring the Babylonians, you know, to swoop down and take them into 70 years of Babylonian captivity if they did not repent. And if they refused, they might not get another chance. So seek the Lord and call upon him while he is near. You see, there's a sense of urgency of time of decision to seek God. God was ready for the people to seek him, but they procrastinated. Procrastination on a decision to seek God is a very dangerous thing. And might I even add this? Procrastination is a tool of the devil. It's a tool of the devil. Listen at this fictional story, Calvary Chapel. If you heard it before, hold on. William Barclay tells this fictional story, I love it, of a meeting held by Satan with his demons. And they were trying to figure out how to trick people into eternal damnation and separation from God. So the first demon said, tell them that there is no God. No, Satan said, all of creation declares the reality of God. People are too smart to deny his existence. A few idiots might get sucked in, but not the masses. The second demon said, tell them there's no hell. No, Satan said. People understand there needs to be retribution and judgment. People won't buy that. And the third demon said, instead of saying no God and no hell, tell them there's no hurry. And Satan responded, that's it. Go and tell them that there's no hurry and we will ruin them by the thousands. You see, it's sad, but so many have lost their sense of urgency that the Lord is coming soon. And they're not prepared. And that's really unfortunate. Because you do not need to be a Bible scholar. You do not need to be a theologian to look at the world and see what's going on in the world. And then just simply listen, my friends. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 24 and just read it. It looks like you're reading the front page of the newspaper today. Are you following me? You don't need to know. You don't need to look very far. We need to have that sense of urgency. Procrastination is not good. 2 Corinthians 6.2 is the accept now is the acceptable time of the Lord and now is the day of salvation. Hebrews 3.15 today if you will hear his voice don't harden your heart. Don't presume that you'll always hear the Lord. Seek his face now. While there's still time, somebody say amen. Number two, seeking the Lord means forsaking your wicked ways and your thoughts in verse seven. Let the wicked, go ahead and look at it. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous his thoughts. Now question, who are the wicked? Who are the wicked? Final answer, everyone. Everyone. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is desperately wicked. Above all things, who can know it? The heart is wicked. The Bible doesn't say the heart is wicked. It says it's 
desperately wicked. No one has a good heart. It's a misnomer. You know, we say it all the time in our culture. We say, bless their heart. Bless their heart, you know. And you know what? I learned this about the South, too. None of y'all, because ain't none of y'all from down here, all right? We're all from somewhere else, right? But folk down here, boy, they can, you can say anything you want about anybody. And it's not considered gossip. All you got to say, preface it with, bless your heart. Bless their heart. And then you just run them in the ground. That's a little, I'm just trying to help y'all. So I don't want you to be gossiping and getting in and all that, all right? I'm just trying to make sure that you, you're not sinning. So you just say, bless they heart. And you got to say it like that, heart. And if you say it, then, then you, you're free. Just say whatever you want. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.